0: This is Courage Cast. Faith, inspiration and motivation for today. Well hey friends, this is Eric Nordoff and you're listening to another episode of Courage Cast. Today we start a two-part interview with Charlie Weir, my pastor, who I have been grateful to be able to sit down with and talk about some very important issues, uh, not only in my life, but I think it'll be something that we all deal with. We all struggle with our faith and with our salvation and our belief that our only hope is the hope of the gospel of Christ in our lives. And so we got dive into that in the first of a two-part conversation. And then after these two days, we'll continue on. If you would like to, you'll have the option to continue hear the rest of our conversation, which is very, very vital in your decision to walk with Jesus. So here it is, the first of my two-part conversation on the Courage Cast. With Pastor Charlie Weir. Well, I am so grateful and honored to have my pastor Charlie Weir here in the Courageous Community Studios. <laughs> I've never called him that before. Well, that's what they are. Welcome, Charlie. Thank you. <laughs> now, Charlie, um, we um, just a quick little intro for for our audience and for um, uh, about you. Uh, we had been kind of moving through church, uh, going back and forth around, uh, here in middle Tennessee and have have been at several churches and we were kind of ready to be done looking, ready to be done searching. And we'd kind of come out of a small church experience, which wasn't all that bad. I, I think it was, it was, it was served a wonderful purpose for us. But when we came to gateway, uh, we, we kind of did it reverse, because I remember when we started going to other churches, we were we went there because our friends went there, but we actually didn't have many friends at Gateway. We actually started going there because Chrissy was work, starting to work with Michael Farron, our worship pastor. And then you kind of came through the offices, because the studio was right there, and you kind of make yourself comfortable. I, I, I fancy myself as a songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> one thing you got to know about Charlie, everybody in the audience is he's got a very dry sense of humor. And, and I love that about him because I have a very dry sense of humor. And um, yes, you are most of the messages you should get about a 10% cut, right. Or, or yeah, more.
1: I, I'm, so I, when I met Chrissy, um, I guess I had just needed a break from my desk and I walked <laughs> down to the office where Michael and her and she was writing. And so that's kind of how I met Chrissy.
0: Yeah. Tell me about those first um, few times. What do you remember? If you remember anything about walking in there and well,
1: oddly enough, I'm the oddest person to live in Nashville because I never liked music. Um, and, (laughs) So, you could have put, you know, you could have put Bon Jovi down in the office and I wouldn't have known who the guy was, even though we're both New Jersey people.
0: Oh, you would have known Bon Jovi.
1: I, I, I mean, I would have known there's some weird dude with long hair in the office, but I wouldn't have known okay. the guy's name. Really? I mean, wait, there's been people through those offices that's written some really, really huge songs, but I don't know who they are. And I think that's kind of what Michael, you know, liked. And um, so, I, you know, I didn't know your great name. I didn't know that song. I didn't know the songs they were writing then. Mm-hmm. Um but I had, I think, I just kind of made a comment of of how powerful I thought those lyrics were uh-huh. on your great name. And then, as a matter of fact, I think that she had written a song that had said something about um, a puddle at your feet. Yeah, was a line, mm-hmm. and that might have been what they were working on that day. Yeah, and I just thought the imagery of that was so. So I just kind of started commenting about some of the imagery of the lines and, mm-hmm. um you know, and, and liked her laugh.
0: She's got a great laugh. That's one of the things I love about Chrissy is she makes me laugh and uh, her laugh is very addictive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so another, another thing about you that, uh, we have a great deal in common is number one, you're an only child. Yes. Uh, we love only children are amazing people, aren't they? Are
1: there any other?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we're both only children. We both grew up in New Jersey yeah. Although you grew up a little more blue collar, I think than I did.
1: Yeah. Cent, kind of central Jersey on the, um, on the, the far kind of Western side of ocean County.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I grew up in Bridgewater, which is a cl- little closer to, to you grew up closer to Philly. I might've grown up closer yeah. to New, New York. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a and,
1: farming community. I grew up kind of in a farming,
0: community. farming. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I grew up a little more suburb slash now kind of city life. Um, and uh, what else do we have in common? Uh, German. German. At least from, from.
1: Uh, I can't trace mine back as, as early as yours. You know, I mean, you have uh, your grandfather, right? And I, so I have no idea, mm-hmm. but I know our, my last name is a German name. So.
0: Right, Weir, right. Yeah. The golfer is uh, from Canada. Is, He's is Canada, uh, Canadian. Canadian. Uh, Mike yeah. Weir. Yeah. Mike Weir. He's not related to you.
1: No, there was a Grateful Dead, Bob Weir, and there was a player for the Toronto Maple Leafs, also Bob Weir, but... Uh-huh. No. no, none of them can claim me. Okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> That's said like an only child. Very well said. Anyway, um, and so, you know, I, we, we identified with one another, I think, pretty, pretty quickly, even though I didn't get to know you right away. Chrissy got to know you better. So all that to say is we got to know the leadership in the church, and you guys weren't crazy. You actually were pretty level-headed, grounded church, and um, and that was very comforting to us. So we kind of did it backwards in the way we normally have done it, which is we knew people, and then we got to know the leadership. And it, you know, anytime you get closer to leadership in a church, you just sense the dysfunction there. So we kind of didn't have any bad radars about dysfunction, Um, you know, because I I didn't grow up in church, and um, I thought church everybody was perfect in church. And then I started working in the Christian music industry and I realized I thought it was going to be all like church. Like everybody was good to each other and kind and not selfish. And I realized very quickly that it, it was just like anything else, you know, very dysfunctional without God when you don't put God in the center of it. So I don't know why I'm saying all that, but I just was, it was nice to be in an environment where you were real and it didn't seem like you were trying to put on a Um, you you know you equate that to anything in your life well even though i I did grow up
1: in church i did not grow up with both my parents being uh christians okay so i i kind of lived in the real what maybe people would say the real world in terms of working from with my father working from my father being i was not around christians i mean that just wasn't the environment i grew up in except when i was at church so I, i think i had a uh, um, a good kind of grounding that although we can come to faith in Christ, there is still a shaping part of us that, that takes place. Mm-hmm. And that, um, that the, although kind of our, if I can use the term that Paul kind of uses, although our flesh nature has been has been crucified with Christ, has been defeated – uh, it still has had a long term effect on us, and it's still a draw. We don't we don't have to follow that draw, um, but it still is there. And so, um, people are in process. I mean, I, I like to say that um, if you're a follower of Christ, you've you've been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. It is mm-hmm. the process has been completed in the sense that we are connected with with God, but we continually are connected to God, and He continually shapes me. So I think you have a lot more, I don't know, a lot more patience with people, um, because we're all, we're all broken. We're all dysfunctional at some level. And so when you can go ahead and accept that someone is in process, um, it takes the burden off them to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my expectations of you, um, I I can receive you in grace and hospitality Mm because I haven't placed no expectations on you just because you're a follower of Christ. Right. And as I get to know you, hopefully we we get to both understand one another and we can help each other kind of move closer to Mm -hmm. Christ, a more, a a more realization of really what Christ has done for us and how we don't have to live under certain bondages that, that maybe we're still presently living on. Right. Under.
0: Right. So would you say um, when you, when you're, would you say that we're any, how are we one of the things i i um i have always had a hard time with is arrogance the arrogance of a of christians okay the arrogance of people i think it's a sensitive subject for maybe people that are that have that have kind of walked away from church that maybe grew up in church but some had some really bad experiences and left church or maybe somebody that has seen enough on television and read enough and experienced enough from a distance about Christianity and Christians and has said, you know, I don't want anything to do with that. So do you, what, what do you say to somebody like that who already has that presumptuous presumptuous, uh, expectations of a believer, um, when when they when you first interact with that that kind of person what would you wish you could say to that person
1: well I, I run into arrogant people all the time and and if um if i stopped eating pizza because my pizza baker was arrogant i would have stopped eating pizza 30 years ago because you were, you can't go into a new york deli and not run into somebody that's yelling at somebody mm-hmm. so I'd have, I'd have given up a pizza a long time ago um i wouldn't be using the dry cleaners i'm using now if, um, of, because of a recent run in with a clerk. Um, but one of the things that struck me, I actually called the, the, the owner of the company because we had a dispute going on about some clothes that were destroyed. (laughs) And I said, look, I just need to talk to you about the guy at the front desk. And you could hear of the silence was deafening. And I said, I think there's something else going on in his life. Mm hmm. He was like, "Uh, this is an unusual call to get from a customer." I said, "Look, he's so defensive
0: mm-hmm.
1: that there's, there's got to be something else going on."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so my my point is, because I have found that I'm a sinner, and I have repented of my sin and accepted the free gift of salvation from God, doesn't mean that all of a sudden I've got everything figured out in my life. I'm still insecure. I'm still defensive. And I think when you run into arrogance, I think most of the time that's a massed insecurity mm-hmm. that uh, that holes are still being being healed. Mm-hmm. And when people say, well, I don't want to be a Christian or anything to do with them because they're hypocrites. Well, I, I think a hypocrite is, is really somebody who says they're one thing, um, but they're really not. Now, that's different than me saying who I am and I'm still growing in it. Right. Um, I, I, again, I'm not going to give up taking my clothes to the cleaners and I'm not going to give up eating pizza. Mm-hmm. So would we really reject a personal search into the truth of scripture and the reality of Christ because someone didn't get it right? Mm-hmm. Um. Because if I'm looking for a group of perfect people, I'm not going to fit. So, so if I'm not going to fit, I don't, does that make any sense? Yeah. If, if I already go ahead and say that you have to be perfect in order for this to be true, and I know my dysfunction, I've already disqualified myself. Yeah. So I, I get that people leave bad, can leave a bad taste in your mouth. But to go ahead and say, I'm going to stop searching if this is true or not, because this guy offended me, I think it's very short-sighted. Yeah. And that, that doesn't come off cross really as nice as maybe you would wanted to hear it. But but I would just say if it's, you know – um. If if my financial advisor ticked me off, I'm I'm not going to pull all my money out and stick it on my mattress, right? You know, just because that guy was an idiot,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, doesn't mean that the system's bad, right? So just because you run into a follower of Christ that doesn't fully get it, yeah, doesn't doesn't devalue the message of Christ,
0: right? It doesn't, right? So it's it's not the people. It's never been about the people that we are following. It's it's never been. But well, we're but, but, we're, we're called to be light. We're called to be light, right?
1: And but I'm not always the brightest light,
0: you know. And I mean, I just I, I I'm not always the brightest light yeah, bulb in the room, Christ, you
1: know. Yeah, where, you know I I like to say that the the Bible isn't a self help book. Um, well, because that's people a lot of people think it is. Well, sure, because because it gives um, a pattern of life that brings hope and healing, right? Right. But that's out of a core of a relationship with Christ. Now, if I take Christ out of that. Um, then the Bible doesn't make any sense because it isn't a self-help book. It's it's like the anti-self-help book because it's saying you have to give up self in order to encounter a living God. Mm-hmm. So it's an anti-self-help book. Mm-hmm. Um, but to but then to put the burden that on everybody that they have to be they got to hold their mouth right and they've got to say all the right things and interact with you the right way. And if somehow they don't, it invalidates. The gospel, I would say, completely different. I would say that it completely validates the gospel, and here's why. Paul says that in the book of Romans, that while we were yet sinners, Mm -hmm. Christ died for us. Right. All right? And that at one time, we were enemies with God, and yet he, in spite of all of that, he still loves us. So if I'm being a total butt. And I'm a believer. It To me, it demonstrates that God is not willing to cast me aside because I'm still in
0: process. Right, right. Mm. So it does take the pressure off of performance because that is, I think, what people grew up. Some of those people grew up with a sense that they had to perform. Sure. They had to be, they already had to have achieved this somehow perfection Wrongly, so they they believed the lie that they had to already be there in order to be accepted
1: yeah, because we we, we again I, I because we're we're so human, what else can we be that we misconscrew be uh, all right so worship let me let me just let me take a pause here, sure, the reason why Sunday worship is so significant, especially and I believe in a western American culture is it is the one time in our week where we're not the center. Mm-hmm. And I like to say that it reorients our world to, okay, wait a minute. Yes, there is a larger thing at play here. God is God. I am not. I offer my worship to him. It reorients my world. Now, now, why that's important is I can't perform up to the level of God. Never could, never would. Or if I could, there was no need to send a Savior. Right. So... But I, but so when I try to perform to earn his um, acceptance, acceptance, and love and, mm-hmm. I have all again negated the gospel because the gospel is he came even before I ever once tried to perform anything
0: mm-hmm. for me, right?
1: All right, but now my conformity to him is based out of my love and thanks, thanksgiving for what he's already done. So in essence. I can come in here and try to earn um, your friendship, Eric. Mm -hmm. I could come in here and bring gifts and try to earn that friendship, or I could I could still bring a gift, but that gift be an expression. Of my thanksgiving for our friendship You see it's the same expression But it's for two different reasons It's the same act It's the same act Different intention Different intentions One is a thank you man I so hope we can go play racquetball today Mm -hmm. The other is wow If I don't bring Eric this this and this Then we won't get to do this this and this Right One is A great expression of the relationship the other is an attempt to earn something that's already gained. and i think mm-hmm. god continue wants us to see dude look you it's like it's like the jerry Maguire movie you know you had me at hello right, right. you know this has already been done can we get on with you experiencing the joy of what this relationship's like because mm-hmm. you you, heck, you couldn't earn it before right and you can't pad it now you get all of me you don't get parts of me now and perform better and you get parts of me later you get all of me now
0: Well, I have been wanting to have this conversation with my pastor, Charlie Weir, and this is just the beginning. We talk for about an hour and a half in the full conversation, but I'm not going to do that to you. I've committed to keeping this shorter. And so tomorrow we'll have another 15 minutes or so of conversation, and then you'll have the option to listen to the entire conversation uh, where you'll get to really understand what it means to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and give you an opportunity to receive him and begin a relationship with Him or reconnect with Him in a way that's not judgmental, that is very, very easy and sets you on a path that, uh, that, to be honest with you, is the best and the greatest adventure I could ever imagine. So that is uh, still to come, but tomorrow we'll talk again with Pastor Charlie, and I can't wait for you to hear what he has to say about faith and walking in Christ.